0: Football's back, and Whole Foods Market is everything you need for a delicious tailgater watch party. Level up your game day hosting with marinated chicken wings, chicken sausages, hot dogs, and more. Headed to a friend's house? On the way, grab crowd-pleasing snacks from Whole Foods Market, like late-July tortilla chips and Primal Kitchen queso dip. And don't forget the beer. Very important. Just check out that local selection. Elevate game day with Whole Foods Market. Must be 21+. plus. Please drink responsibly. That's how oh, she got dropped it. It. I dropped it. Dropped it. I don't believe it. That's
1: unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop and the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball and the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up.
0: I hate grade cricket. The Great Cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a
2: tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most
3: alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl, I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me Feel better about myself. Thank Thanks champ. Oh no you call me champ. Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast on today's show. Australia out of the World Cup after getting absolutely hammered by England overnight in Birmingham. We'll get behind the boys, not discuss any weaknesses, rip England for not having done anything yet before singing the national anthem and saying the things you want us to say. Martin Toe Guptal throws the stumps down to run out MS Dhoni and secure back-to-back World Cup finals. For the Black Caps we will talk Coley's semi-final failures, Kane Williamson's imperious beard, Jadeja's simply amazing innings, and Dhoni's failed attempt at Red Ink. Izzy Westbury joins the show from the UK, presumably to laugh at us for 10 minutes or so. Hashtag AskTGC involves escaping the clutches of the game, seeing Sean Tate in the lift, getting better at cricket, and the worst night out you've ever heard. Reminder that remind, remaining tickets for our live show at Birmingham Leeds and Manchester are also available at greatcricketer.club where we'll be joined by Merv Hughes at Birmingham on August 4 at the Glee Club. Uh, Tim Bresnan joins Sam, Dave, and I on stage in Leeds at the Wardrobe in August 6, and Manchester at Dance House on August 7, the very last line of tickets for August 12 at Leicester Square Theatre, all at greycricketer.club. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined by Dave Edwards in Sydney and Sam Perry in Melbourne. Lads, I woke up to a message this morning at 4.30am 4 4 uh, from a mate of mine who said, have some of that um did any of you have some of that
2: <laughs> yeah morning he goes morning dave yeah uh I had plenty what a demolition uh yeah we'd been semi predicting that i guess uh but this was even worse than the predictions mm. the, the the teams were like evenly matched going into it england were favorites uh, and rightly so but uh, this was a this was a humiliation and yeah like I, I, you know with respect to CrickViz and their wonderful product Winviz. Uh, you know, my personal indication of England looking to win is the amount of UK friends and colleagues sliding into the DM, just popping on in to the DMs. Yeah, saying, "Oh, how about Stoynus? Oh, Maxwell. Always, What's going on? Always nice to wake up to that little bit of bants, isn't it? Mm, I mean,
1: the Z before the um, well before the tournament. You know, we were all saying that we'd be happy with making the semis. I mean, we were all saying that. It's a tough time. <laughs> We're not the top side. Getting to the semis would be a good result for Langer and the boys, obviously as soon as the competition started. Let's just resort to the status quo. We are the greatest team ever. We are a tournament team. We're a team that wins tournaments and we will fucking rise to the occasion. Ponting on the balcony just gave us belief. So this has come as a shock to me, frankly, and I'm devastated. I'm reeling. I'm emotionally tired, I'm physically tired. I blame Faf Duplassie for everything.
3: I... Um I feel I feel pretty good. Feel pretty good this morning. Well, um, oh, there's
1: no doubt that you know from a commercial imperative, this is wonderful for the great cricketer ahead of us. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, realistically, we'll look back on this in six months' time. We'll think making the semi final was a decent result. <laughs> uh, like that's like Australia have gone into the World Cup semi final. Um, not knowing what the best team is. There's so much talk about. Like, oh, I was good that we got we got uh, we got Smith at three. Um, yeah, look, you know, Stoinis, CA, yeah, hasn't played well for a year. You know, Maxwell doesn't look like he's going to do anything. You know, we've got a couple of good players in the Australian A squad. But, um, mm. you know, we've got Berendorf in there with a the new ball. And, uh, you know, Hayeswood's on the A tour as well. So, you know, I think we just about piece It's a fucking World Cup semi-final. You think Australia had, like, any right to beat... England, the best team in the world, and has been for four years. Ridiculous. I mean, like yes, we have a birthright. <laughs> yes, birthright. Um, so it's funny
2: that that's all it came down to, though, wasn't it? That's all we really talked about. I mean, on the eve of the match starting, I was reflecting on Nathan Lyon's comments because I'm a normal person, and that's what I do when I'm walking down the street. Mm-hmm. And he was right when he said, uh, "Well, this is England's World Cup." To lose, and he did yeah. it cheekily. Well, he did it with that kind of weird aggression that he has in the press. But, yeah. like, when you know, it's easy in retrospect, but like, it kind of is all Australia had. <laughs> Leading into that semi-final, it was yeah. just like, we'll, "We'll we'll win because that's what we do." Uh, it's kind of it's in this intangible DNA that we have. Did you notice that there were fewer shots of ponting on the balcony last yep. night? I mean, I'm calling conspiracy on that, but Definitely. he was also sitting next to Usman Khawaja, who was essentially kind of like yanging to his yin mm. with pensiveness mm. that just was throwing me off. You know, the, yeah. the vibes that that was. The vibes that was were off, weren't killing they? Killing all of the barefoot vibes yeah. that they'd created. I mean, uh, in, the, in the last couple you, of days, you
1: mentioned Nathan Lyon. Like he tried to get things going there, but no one really, like everyone kind of brushed those comments off and really treated them with maturity. <laughs> like I remember, you know, before, you know, test matches of old, Glenn McGrath used to come out and say, "Look, we are winning five 0 like every, te- like even ahead of three test series, like he just would come out and, you know, just set the ascendancy with some comments and everyone would be scared. But no one was scared by Nathan Lyon. And you're right, I did see less of Ponting on the balcony. And that worries me.
3: So far in the last couple of years that Nathan Lyon's come out and said stuff aggressively in the press, he said we're going to headbutt the line. Sandpaper happened. He said it's in the World Cup to lose. <laughs> we get <laughs> absolutely am in the World Cup semi-final. Not working out fantastically for Nathan. I've never known, uh, never known like for there to be such a – like uh, Usman Khawaja, for instance, is such a confidence player. And just looking at him watching on there, he's, he just oh, he's looks so worried. Yeah, he looks yeah. worried the whole time. And like, maybe What's he's, maybe he's a confidence eyebrows? watcher. You know, like mm. maybe you just need a couple of boundaries from the boys before you can really get going with his with his watching. But like I just, just... This tournament's been just...
1: great for worried people visible for, mm. in the sheds. I've really mm. enjoyed that.
3: Mm. I,
2: I don't know about you guys. Did you get... I, like one thing that happens obviously when the cricket's on is you, you start getting 1,000 texts from people you don't normally talk to mm. wanting views on the cricket. Mm. Um, and like I had many people texting in after... Because uh, I'm a text line... After both like Hanscom and Stornes got out and sang, probably good that they got out quickly. And he sort of "Guys, like, that's very depressing idea, isn't it? That like two of the top six guys carried that like like in your World Cup semi-final team. Yeah. I bat in the top six for my nation, yeah. Australia, in yeah. a World Cup semi against England at Edgebaston, like these stuff dreams <laughs> are made of. I have beaten all other competitors from <laughs> under six cricket, like. To now to be in the top six for my country to World Cup semi and like I bat like that like that's what I'm offering and up. then you got like the
1: other team just going well, let's keep this bloke in <laughs> it
0: was it was a real keep this bloke in feel for both of them
3: heads
2: dropped um, when they got out oh, that's gallows humour and unfair to both of them yeah.
1: you know I'm glad we spent so much time no- speculating over whether Stoinis should play or not um, bloke had two side <laughs> strains. Like both his sides were strained, and he mm. was in just terrible form. He just the way he batted just quickly on stoyness, I'm sure we'll pick apart other players aggressively mm. and without reason, but he did not pick that wrongen at all. It was like it was the fucking gatting ball to him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it was a sort of uh, like it was a sort of mispick. That usually results in a player at training, like the batsman saying, "Yeah, yeah, picked it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was wrong on you.
3: Um, we were obviously texting overnight, um, and I'll just repeat what we saw. So I'll read the whole thing word for word, <laughs> just for the courts. Exactly. Why, mm. why can I pick the wrong and from the television? Like I can pick it as soon as he's bowled it, and yet Marcus Stoinis, who is batting six for Australia in a World Cup semi-final, has just kicked it off middle stump. Like it, it was. It was. I mean, as you rightly say, it was one of those ones where it hits you, and people laugh because you haven't. Like, I get laughing. The laughing opposition laughing it. When you get out Is the worst It doesn't matter if you've got 150 on the board yeah. Or it's first ball It doesn't Like if the opposition Is laughing when you get out That is the lowest moment that's And the, like Stoinis' body language Like Stoinis is picked In the side Because he's got a bit about him That's, yep. that's mm. so much mm. about like What Shane Warren Especially says But like Stoyner has lost all things about him. You know, like when he walks to the crease, he's got these like really like blank eyes, yeah. and like and like when yeah, he got out, dead eyes, aren't they? When he when he got out, it was like his soul was leaving Mate, his body. He
1: looked like <laughs> he looked like he was crying. I swear, I saw tears welling in his eyes. You know, like me when I got out in the grand final, the other twelve rep game, stumped for a duck, as he walked off, he just looked so sad. Like he's re- he's really mastered that. Um, that reluctant, like that Shane Watson kind of trudge yep. off the field, just reluctantly, yep. just slumped yeah. body language. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I like. Well, it. he was
2: uh, averaging twelve uh, at a strike rate of seventy-five heading into that mm. game for this tournament. He was going at six and over, <laughs> and he'd only taken a couple of wickets. Yeah. Uh, and um, good around the boys, though. And then that's how he. That's how he finished up, Yeah.
3: Um. I yeah. It, it, it is a hard one though for Australia because if you're going to go all the, you're going to go that far into a tournament with a guy, you know, unless he. We can't is stop injured. now. We've come
1: this far. We cannot yeah, stop. Yeah, ex-
3: exactly. But I mean, like, if you were the physio, shouldn't we be blaming the physio that like maybe we we declared him fit when like that was the opportunity to bring in you know Josh Hazelwood? Is with, he like Trump's doctor? Yeah. This is the healthiest
1: <laughs> president I've ever seen. <laughs>
2: It's the stone. it's the oil, you know, it's the rig, it's the pipes. Yeah, and obviously in Australian society, the worst thing you can do is change your mind publicly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is honestly the number one flip-flop par.
3: Um, Okay, well, next, uh, I I think we've already touched on how good Hanscom looked. Um, One of of the better sixes you'll ever see. Um, I wonder with Glenn Maxwell, you know, uh, one of the biggest moments in his career was the reverse sweep that he played in in Asia when he was playing a test match. And that was kind of like he was blacklisted for a number of years. I wonder if, like, this World Cup and his failure to deliver whilst teasing us the entire time might actually do damage in the long term. Because, like, I, I don't know, it, it's it's difficult to know if he's just been out of form this World Cup or if we've, we've just seen like over the course of Maxwell's career, what he can provide and what he can't provide is consistency or any yeah. sort of, you know, ability to face like 60 Ooh. balls in an ODI.
1: Have we just seen too much of him? Like then mm. we, it, the, the beauty of Maxwell was that we didn't know what could happen, but he's just been too visible now. And we've seen the reality of Maxwell. Like he's normally good for 12 balls. Well, this this tournament he's barely faced more than 12 balls in an inning. I think he might've faced 20 odd this time. Mm. I mean, yeah, the the mystery of Maxwell. If we're not picking him, then, you know, you don't know what he could do. But if you do pick him, then it's all too real, the
2: shit that happens. Mm. On apparently, um, he... Apparently, he was... I heard this only recently, that he was one of the people most affected by... Um, the Phil Hughes tragedy as well, and his batting kind of hasn't been the same since, which is something that we've heard from a lot of batsmen and stuff as well. Not definitely not offering it up as an excuse, uh, particularly sort of five years after the fact, because he's he has scored one day hundreds for Australia and Test hundreds for Australia since then, and whatnot. But like it is, uh, it is really curious that like heading into the World Cup, You just. You know, when when everyone has their plans sorted out and like there's no real break, even in, in bilateral series, you're going to play against international teams who are weakened. Every team puts forward their best players. So every time you're batting, you, you've got four or five bowlers from the opposition who are at the peak of their powers. Uh, and they all just bumped him <laughs> the whole time. And it was like, it was one of those matter of time kind of yeah. um, tournaments for him. It was just like, oh, just bring on a quick and he'll get out.
3: It was literally like watching him bat was playing secret sound on an FM radio station, just like when's the bomb gonna explode yeah. kind of thing. Um, <laughs> exactly. It, like the the That's exactly the, the what I he thought he goes when I was watching him bat. Yeah. <laughs> now, now stop stop I'll take the six hundred dollars. Um with the uh with with the way with the, with the way got out uh got him out, um the over exaggeration of like that ball popping was just complete fear of the short ball, like that it was going mm. to come. Like Joffrey just set him up. I don't think Joffrey has bowled, like eleven out of ten well this World Cup, but I thought he bowled fucking well last night. It was so good. Um, oh, yeah. But like, just that fear of like the short ball coming, then just like chipping a ball to cover was like, mm. oh, Get I me don't the know. Fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that can be the end of like an international career. I, I don't know. I I, I think <laughs> there's a universe out there where. Uh, where Maxwell has been mismanaged and like you know he could have been whatever he you know he could have been a Joss Butler or yeah. whatever, um, but like and there's nothing it's worse just too for far a career gone.
1: and a brand than a perceived fear of the short ball. I mean we saw what happened to yeah. Michael Bevan, like you know one of the greatest one-day mm. international batsmen, you know couldn't get a match in a Test match because you know there was this perception that he, he struggled against the short stuff. It can ruin
2: your brand entirely.
3: Mm. Especially in Australia. Um, well, I mean,
2: firstly, like obviously, ODI cricket as a format's going to die anyway. So mm. um, enjoy the last World Cup, yep. uh, England or New Zealand, anyway. But um, so, and, and I think you'll be in the T Twenty side. Uh, so we'll we'll still see plenty of Maxwell. But yeah, it, it crossed my mind as well. He goes, especially if you have such a technical deficiency, and it's there for the entire world to see. How are you going to be a like a viable entity in any long format, you know, at international level Mm. and, and he's not getting younger. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it really was his kind of tournament. This was his time Maxwell and, uh, he was worked out, uh, which is brutal,
3: isn't it? Um, not much to celebrate from a bowling perspective for Australia, and that's what this podcast is celebrating—the Australian. Mm. Uh, did did we, we talk about, about Alex Carey sentences? though? Just, oh uh, yeah, Alex Carey. Because we talked about, about one thing that was good. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Well, Steve Smith got eighty-five, but that was. Oh, that's yeah. Just, yeah, that's just him, isn't it? Um, Alex Carey. Yeah. I mean, I said this last podcast. I think we've just got such a great player there for the future. I mean, he's twenty-eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah um, He's not
2: future He's now He's now But he feels like future Because he has such a beautiful face Yes He looks young
3: Yes looks young um,
2: But he's he's now And he He has <laughs> class I mean he threw it away And it presented <laughs> <a throw of. laughs> It was the only wicket I thought that uh, Where the batsman gave it away Yeah But uh, other than that He, he looked classy He yep. You know Langer heated our calls mm. Moved him up to five uh, mm. to, to stem the The tide of wickets That mm. was coming through And uh, he just batted so fluently. You know, he goes again, you're correct. I think it's the best left-handed cover drive since Hussey. Someone wanted to argue on Twitter, that, it, which is down at the moment. Um, horrific scenes. But um, someone wanted to argue that Sean Marsh is better. But, nah, Carey, no. I think. And, uh, and yeah, now, now the – you know, I see there's a bit of rabble-rousing in the UK press about there being huge questions over Tim Payne's viability as captain now that Carey's burst onto the scene. I think it would be greedy of Australia to start looking at Kerry in those terms as a pain replacement immediately for the Ashes. Like, have we not learned anything about leadership problems in Australian cricket? Like, who would become captain if not Payne? Like, literally two of the guys are not allowed to do it, yeah. Smith and Warner. Captain's an important role. Just let Cap Payne be captain and back Kerry in the top six. He's probably in the top six Australian batsmen equipped to play in England, but the thing about Payne is that
1: he's he's not future; he's now. But Kerry's mm. future, and we're always excited or more so than you know about the thing that's going to happen in a few years from now than the thing that we're True. actually dealing with at the moment, aren't we? I, th-
3: I think I think it's fairly obvious that Ricky Ponting is going to be the captain of the Ashes team uh, when mm. he takes the toss in the first Test match in a couple of weeks' time. Um, Edo's, how how satisfied were you to see the gladiatorial aspect of Carey batting with uh, you know bandage around his head and blood blood on the Australian shirt?
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was a heroic image, wasn't it? I mean when the, mm. when Joffre Archer bowled that bumper, obviously chief concern was for his teeth, um, <laughs> first and foremost. <laughs> the way that he caught the lid though, like when the oh. when the ball hit his helmet and mm. he just had the awareness to catch. The helmet as it came down, really coolly.
2: Um, oh, fuck it was, it was nonchalant, it was nonchalant, like he won. It was like it happens all the time. Yeah, oh, fuck me helmet, my helmet's
3: gone. Oh, helmet's come off, great. I'm just it's catching it's it.
2: He's it. been absolutely smashed in the chin, yeah. by Joffrey Archer. Oh, quick,
1: grab a helmet. That was amazing, wasn't it? And then, yeah, they put that massive bandage around his head. I wasn't on Twitter at the time, I can only assume it was just teeming with memes about it. Um, mm and they kept like the blood on his shirt as well like that he didn't change the shirt just mm. kept the blood stained one on you know mm. is that all you, is that all you guys have got <laughs> he mm. played Aussie rules though so you know he's oh, tapped he? so that's the code where you're not allowed to tackle below the knees or above the chest you know that one <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: it's I think uh I think the blood on Carey shirt actually added to the uh the 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 quality of the Australian jersey. And I'm actually relieved that Australia won't be winning the World Cup because that jersey doesn't doesn't deserve to be seen in the annals of history. It should, should be, be one of those in, um yeah fewer
1: submissions for the next uh season's jersey. Just yeah. fucking
3: blood spattered all over us because we're emotionally and <laughs> physically hurt. It's a metaphor for Australia's World Cup and how it's ended. Um, Not much to celebrate from, uh, you know, a a bowling perspective other than Stark got his one wicket to uh, take the most ever wickets in a World Cup. Well done to Mitchell Stark. Uh, Went for eight and over or something. So, um, but that was down to Jason Roy. Jason Roy's amazing batting again at the top of the innings. I mean, he was out of the World Cup. He was out of their squad for a couple of matches. We saw the impact that had. He is a great player at the top of the order, isn't he?
2: Oh, wouldn't you love him? In your family, that is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think, well, yeah, it's taken us 19 minutes to even mention England's performance. <laughs> I feel so sorry for the Get Around the Boys crew listening to this cast who've tuned in to 20 minutes of dismantling our own country and now commence saying that England are good. This. But look at what happened. They, they destroyed Australia mm. uh, and they were led by yeah chris wokes and Joffrey archer i mean adil rashid baldwell also and they were so good in the field butlers run out
3: oh, not making oh smith God. <laughs> Nutney, that was amazing <laughs> um
2: and then and then jason roy just continued on that party uh, at edge baston he just he's clean mm-hmm. he hit steve smith for three th- three sixes in a row mm. the third one uh nearly went out of the ground it was one of those ones where, like, you know how big it is because the camera doesn't have the flexibility <laughs> to follow the flight of the ball anymore. Yeah, it happens it too has quickly. to stop and you just have to follow it. Yeah. And it sort it bounced back off the roof. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I mean, 30, 30, what? They chased it in 32 overs. Yeah. 200, we needed early runs. wickets,
1: didn't we? And You know, just mm. right from the first couple of overs when they were cruising and the ball was being struck so sweetly by two blokes that are just in tremendous form and just knew immediately that this is the end mm. of Australian cricket. But they were better. Forever. I
2: mean, they out, they just outplayed Australia. This, this isn't a rub-of-the-green thing. It's not a wicket thing. Australia even won the toss. I mean, just all the matchups saw England triumph, really, apart from Steve Smith uh, and Alex Carey briefly and David Warner off the first ball of the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, It was, you know, a lot of the wickets were the result of plans, you know, Finch around the front pad, I guess Hanscom was always going to get out, Um, you know, I mean, everyone was beaten, really, and so uh, there can be no excuses, but I do think you're right, Dave, like I do think in the fullness of time this will be, well, semi was probably a good result looking back, Mm. and it was probably a good result for what Australia had invested into ODI cricket, and... You know, to be fair, same goes for England, who now get a World Cup final on the BBC uh, against a team that they should beat by 640 runs.
3: So just on that, I mean, this also comes down to Australia uh, falling short against South Africa, really, because they would have played against uh, New Zealand in the semi-final, except New Zealand put on a masterful performance mm-hmm. against India. Um, we've spoken way too long about uh, Maxwell's technique um, and we left ourselves a little bit short here because... The, the, probably one of the best matches of the tournament so far was that India, New Zealand game. What a, what a just a fantastic game of cricket was for a start. Um, I, I think the world was supporting New Zealand, and you know be, they'll be still have some they'll have a huge following in the, in the final as well um, because people liked New Zealand and they liked what they were about. But like when when Gupto threw the stumps down to run out Donny, I mean, first of all, great piece of skill. Second of all, hilarious that Donny um, didn't. Didn't didn't get red ink that he was playing for from about forty overs out. Mm. Um and India were out of the World Cup.
2: Mm. He got his fifty though. Yes. Yeah, yeah so one of those weird fifties where you're out. Important. While getting mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Did he, did he raise his bat? That'd be fucking amazing. Just um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, why did this feel so good? It it was it was like it felt really good <laughs> for India to miss out there. Yeah. Mm. I, I think it, look frightening, well, it's frighteningly so. It's
1: because the Indian cricket team, you know, and the BCCI in general, they're just so villainous, aren't they? Mm. They've just become the real villains of global cricket. I mean, everyone hates Australia, obviously, because historically speaking, we've been cunts to everyone since winning the Ashes in 1989 <laughs> and this mm. new age shit. I thought shit. you say 1889. 18, 1889, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but, and this fucking new age shit isn't fooling anyone, earthing. Mm. G- give me a break, come on. You know <laughs> But I think India Are just more hateable now And that'll only continue <clears throat> You know but they're going to Dominate cricket For the next 100 years As the As the population Overtakes China Plus the rise Of the middle class You know True There'll be the single World power in cricket Unless China gets into cricket
3: mm. Which I very well, much Climate welcome.
2: change is going to Create immigration problems
3: Yeah that is going to Cause India. a few There's issues For pitches in Different countries In Mumbai for sure yeah. I just think India Is so hateable Because like they've Set up the entire tournament So India can win it Like they start later because of the IPL finish even though every country has um you know players playing the IPL uh you know the 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 tournament structure is set up so like India cannot miss out like they did in 2011 no 2007 or whatever um you know the whole tournament is set up so India can go deep into the tournament which sort of makes sense from like a financial perspective because obviously the longer that Indian fans are watching the the more money goes into the game but then the more money that goes into the game just goes into the pockets again of the Indian cricket board so it's a bit it's a weird cycle so that's why people hate India um, but also it's just really satisfying when like Kohli gets out LBW then reviews it and then it's still hitting and then he's shaking his head when he's walking up the field just oh, it's just oh, it's that's just, that's that's delicious
1: I would have just loved to have seen what Coley did to his kit bag after getting back to the sheds <laughs> like everyone would have obviously vacated the room immediately yeah. although you know one or yeah. two people would have remained yeah, in there just to watch yeah. and enjoy yeah. and bask in that But you can't just stay in the dressing room for half an hour with your pads on, can you? So he had to get out there and watch India crumble. And Mm. that was fantastic as well. You could just fucking tell that he was livid.
3: Mm. All right, well, it is going to be New Zealand and England in the World Cup final there at Lords in a couple of days' time. So let's get Izzy Westbury on the phone to get her take.
0: Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook?
3: Yeah.
2: I'm just looking at her Twitter bio here. Lawyer, financial crime and regulation, Telegraph cricket reporter, BBC sport broadcaster. It's a podcast called Sport Inc. as well. And um, also says her DMs are open. Um, I don't know why I'm saying that in such a rude way. Those, all, all those things are quite good. <laughs> um, Izzy, thanks for joining us. And I just, uh, can I kick off by asking just how, how good and smug does it feel?
4: <laughs> Speechless. Absolutely, speech. I mean, the tables have turned, but we're not used to feeling this. I was I was two years old when we last got to a final, England, and they um got absolutely annihilated in that. And, and yeah, what are we supposed to feel? You, you tell us.
1: <laughs> oh, a of right superiority and, and just <laughs> a feeling of exceptionalism that this is always what happens. So, okay, well, yeah. I'll,
2: I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> um, I mean. I think the the rational head kind of would have picked England to win today, but possibly not by that much. Uh, it was a real demolition. Is he? Uh, you know, are, are you ready to dream of winning a World Cup just yet?
4: Oh, absolutely! And you talk about rational head. Not a Nathan Lyon. My goodness, it's chirping before the before that semi final, <laughs> and then to see him get he hit for six off the first ball. It was oh, it was just oh, poetry and motion.
1: <laughs> That's just Nathan, though. <laughs> this is what he does.
3: Just
4: oh, yeah. Nathan. He's, isn't he? Sort of, he typifies Australia. He's your your Bob Hawke, your Mel Gibson, your your Dave Edna, and Don Babin all in one.
3: <laughs> he's <laughs> just an off spinner like is you just like how how much of australians living in english people's heads are like the off spinners like getting in the minds i mean you know fair play they've obviously just absolutely decimated this but uh but you know this is what nathan does he just bowls some off spin and he says some stuff
0: mm-hmm.
4: yeah back down now boys just as you guys had the um was that a loop of Mitchell Stark casting sticks? I think we're going to have that loop of um, Josh Butler nutmegging Steve Smith oh, now yeah. just, uh, for eternity. Oh,
2: my God.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that run out was so It's just lethal. beautiful. I mean, how does that even
0: work?
2: <laughs> yeah, England uh, are on fire. Tempted to just go straight into the women's ashes now, Izzy, but I won't. Let's just stick with the men, men for a second. Yeah. Uh, you took in the game today in a conference room, didn't you? <laughs> I saw that on on Twitter. I was, uh, I was.
4: I mean, this World Cup has been um, all about the art of perfecting, um, looking as though you're engaged in extremely serious work uh, behind a computer screen, which mainly involves putting a sort of headphones on and then making sure you uh, put the the little mic down by your mouth, and then whatever we mm, ten minutes or so, just go. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, I I agree with that. Okay
3: and then carry on. You look at the the World Cup as a whole, I mean, England have lost three games, uh, actually the same amount that Australia have now lost, so therefore we're the same. Um, But, like, you know, England have obviously been amazing for four years over the course of ODIs, but then, like, you've given us a real scare, especially losing to Sri Lanka, one of the worst teams that cricket has ever seen, not just this World Cup. You know, Pakistan, I mean, that can happen, I guess. Uh, And then you lost to India as well. But, like, I mean, I think we really saw the... The proper England, I suppose, or the real England, stood up last night or today.
4: I saw on Twitter the other day. um, A bunch of Pakistani fans said, "Well, Pakistan beat England, and England beat India, so Pakistan are actually the world champions."
0: (laughs) It's one way to look at it.
4: (laughs) What's rather wonderful, actually, now is that um, a lot of journalists are coming. uh, All their pieces are coming up from the match report, and they're saying um, they're using this phrase when many questioned their big game mentality or when many questioned this and you go, wait a minute, who are those many people questioning them? And it's exactly the same people right now who are writing and saying how absolutely wonderful we always had faith in these boys. About three, three years ago, we were saying that we'd lost it. This is the biggest chance of generation. This generation. I think if somebody said it, was, it would have been the, the worst England performance ever if we didn't make the semi-final, which, I mean, considering some of the performances by some of these, England team in the past. I think the 1999 mm. uh, England team, they, they got knocked out before the, um, the World Cup song was released. So I think that's probably a little bit of hyperbole, but it's, um, it's quite a beautiful thing. Everybody eat their hat.
1: You see, um, does England fear New Zealand? I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that Australia would have smashed New Zealand um, in the <laughs> semis at Lords, <laughs> even though they played brilliantly against India, don't get me wrong, because we don't fear New Zealand. I'm just. What, what's England's relationship with New Zealand, and and do you do you fear them?
4: New Zealand's where it all started. It was that was where the, uh, the fifty over Renaissance happened, where Jason Roy was uh, went out for a, a golden duck, and we realised that that was that he was going to become the the player that we that we see now. Um, <laughs> do, we, do we fear England and New Zealand? And that's, come on, look at them. I mean, <laughs> no one can fear them. You definitely don't fear them. We don't fear them. <laughs>
1: No, that's mm. what I wanted to hear, yeah. Underestimate <laughs> them.
4: Surely <laughs> you boys are going to support them now. New Zealand. The Antipodean brothers, yeah. Oh, what like You know how... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more more reason not to fear them.
2: Yeah, exactly. I want to know, is it just from a like a journal perspective over there, you mentioned before that the people who are writing are many-questioned England. Uh, like, they were... Um, like, it was right to question them. Like, is... is is it more important just to, like, get your predictions right all the time as a journalist and to maybe just say nothing in case someone does something really good and you can just say, see, I oh, know I never wrote you off. Can we be friends now and have a beer maybe?
4: See, that's the beauty of the Twitter timeline. <laughs> that you mm. scroll back through it and you go, know, everybody said something right and something wrong the whole way through. Although the only person I think that's been right all along is Joffre um, is Archer's Twitter. He's got Mm -hmm. some absolutely beautiful beautiful Mm -hmm. tweets. If you scroll back about five years, where he's just obviously sitting at home on a couch with a beer in his hand, watching um, various England incarnations sort of cripple under the weight of expectation. And and people have been retweeting them as as he's playing and the World Cup goes on. And they're they're, um, they're, um, amazingly prophetic, actually.
1: That's so refreshing, the way that he has been tweeting, though. Because obviously, you know, he didn't probably expect to be playing... England, I guess it, the way that he was tweeting, like you don't tweet like that if you, you know that you're going to have a huge public profile at some point in the future. Or he should have just well, deleted all his tweets.
4: I was going to say, normally when somebody rises to fame in sort of meteoric uh, fashion, you dig back their Twitter profile and it's sort of sexist and slightly odd comments. Yeah, so yeah. I think he's doing quite well.
3: Oh, <laughs> when you when you go um when you go back to uh, after England lost to Australia easy, and then from there you basically needed to win four games to win the World Cup. You need to beat India, uh, New Zealand, uh, then Australia again, and then you'll need to beat New Zealand one more time. I mean, is there, is there any sort of satisfaction in having to win four of the hardest games in the World Cup to to win the thing, or does that not really matter? You actually would have preferred to play Afghanistan in the final? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been class?
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> um, we do what every good team does and make sure that we're not the bloody favourites going into it. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was the beauty of it, coming into the semi-final. I mean, Australia had almost manufactured themselves as, as favourites after, what, a four-year window in which England had beaten them 10 times out of 11, yet still there was this idea <laughs> that Australia would still prevail. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, m- moving on to the women, Izzy, I know you've been covering this oh, yeah. as well. Uh, Australia <laughs> Australia have a 6-0 lead, two points per um, short-form win, and then they move to the test match format now. Uh Is there any hope that England can salvage something here ahead of the test? Absolutely not.
4: (laughs) I tell you what, you'd it it must have been humiliating today for Australia watching your blokes. There's nothing more humiliating than becoming... I I became the voice of Cricket Australia um, when they they put their Instagram post of some plummy English accent asking Elise Perry whether she's the greatest all-rounder to ever (laughs) exist. And then she just laughed in my face. Mm. So um, yeah, that's, that's probably <laughs> my greatest humiliation. Um, she's also quite cutting, though. She she had some she had some. Um, I listened to her, or she was on your show, wasn't she, a couple of days ago? And she said mm. that the best part of um, annihilating England was seeing England as as upset as they were. Mm. Oh, Heather! Did that
1: get a bit of media in the UK? <laughs> Do you want to pick up on that? Mm.
4: Do you actually no think people in the UK listen to your podcast?
2: Mm. Mm. We are media. Yeah, uh, All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's interesting with Perry. I mean, can, can where, where? I mean, it, the England women's team won the World Cup a couple of years ago, <laughs> and um, now they're they're getting destroyed in kind of like, in a fashion that, that is um, like, like you know, well, it's quite bad. <laughs> um, are they are they severely on the deep line Is <laughs>
4: I mean, are you trying to predict where England's men are going to be in two years? 100 I sincerely hope not.
2: Two weeks. <laughs> I'm, I'm grasping at anything, to be frank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go
4: for it. Um, oh, England's women. They're probably too honest. That, that win in the World Cup in 2017 was um, a little bit of a fluke, in a way. They didn't have to play Australia. Um, they probably weren't the best team there. Um, and it was astounding that they won it. But then the problem is, is you've got Australia who are wounded and hurting and... and intent on revenge and you know how Elisa Healy said she joked she had to clarify this she was joking when she did a Glenn McGrath and said that they were not going to be a woman and not going to lose a single game um in this ashes and I think I'm pretty sure that at some point soon she's going to step out and go guys I was deadly serious all along mm.
1: hmm. we're just gonna get Nathan <laughs> Lyon as the spokesperson for both the men yeah. and the women's team <laughs>
4: well I've got a bit of time now in his hands won't you see so,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> well this is it though is he like in all seriousness the, the England women have won their world cup a couple of years back, the men are um, poised to do the same. There, I believe, is agreement that this match will now be shown on the BBC free to wear. And then, no, no, Jimmy no Channel 4, Channel 4. Channel 4, pardon me. And, yeah, um, well, I say
4: a big distinction.
2: There is a big distinction, and uh, and then you know Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad are waiting in the wings for the Ashes. Uh, like, does it get much better? Will this herald some great renaissance of English cricket? Uh, should England you know win the Ashes <laughs> and then uh, win the World Cup and then the Ashes?
4: I mean, this is just the start of the summer. If you look at the Holly Stand at Lead um, today, it was absolutely rocking every time that, that I think Warner or. Um, Will Smith touch the ball? Will it herald um, a revolution? I don't know. Um, I think I'm just set to pessimistic mode, having seen the disengagement with cricket around this country the last um, few months, and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be the greatest, the greatest event um, ever. I think um, England women's football garnered about 12 million viewers in their semi-final loss. At the same time, that, that I think England cricket's men were getting about 550,000. So it's it's difficult to to really. Get teed up for this wave of beautiful cricket um, re-establishment in this country, especially when we're going to play a sixteen point four ball, sixteen point four over competition next year. But uh, we can, we I think we have to be, we have to be optimistic. let let's, let's do it. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, Izzy, um, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I think it's getting quite late over there in the UK, but obviously you weren't going to turn down the opportunity to speak with us after the events of today. Uh, And uh, begrudgingly, we all, on behalf of all of us, we we wish you the best of luck uh, on Sunday, sort of. (laughs)
4: Like hell you do. But thank
0: you. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Level up your game day hosting with marinated chicken wings, chicken sausages, hot dogs, and more. Headed to a friend's house? On the way, grab crowd-pleasing snacks from Whole Foods Market. Like late July tortilla chips and Primal Kitchen queso dip. And don't forget the beer. Very important. Just check out that local selection. Elevate game day with Whole Foods Market. Must be 21+. plus. Please drink responsibly.
3: Hashtag AskTGC. Just before we get into the questions this week, um, Ed, I am going to get you to read out one. that's just coming live as we're recording this podcast. But before we do, uh, just talk about our live shows for a little bit. Obviously, uh, we've we've sold out the Australian legs of the tour in Sydney and Melbourne. But Pez, we have uh, an announcement for our Sydney guests anyway, for, us, for our Sydney shows.
2: Very happy to report uh, in some you know serious negotiations that have taken place mm-hmm. through the Diamantina Podcast Network. Uh, that for our Sydney live show, um, we are going to be opened by uh, a fledgling podcast called Hello Sport. Tom and Eddie from Hello Sport are going to do a little bit at the top of the show. Um, For those who've listened to Hello Sport, uh, it's cult. It's funny. Um, They're top of the podcast heap. And, frankly, we got them in because um, you should be nice to people on the way up um, because... um, If you're not, they'll be coming yep. to you when you're on the way down, um, which according to many of our reviews, we are. So yep. <laughs> it's um, it's a real pleasure to get Tom and Eddie to open for us. If you are coming to those shows, they're extremely funny. Uh, uh, hopefully not too funny, you know, for obvious ego reasons. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very pleased to be having them open our show. They're going to be very, very good. I uh, look forward to putting that out on the socials and listening to what they've got to say. Again, don't be too funny.
3: Last night I did a tweet from my personal account saying that I want Australia to win this game because I'm from here. Um, but also I want to sell tickets to live shows in the UK. So I hope England win because um, I like to be able to afford food and stuff. Um, so, you know, great result for the UK legs of the tour. And, you know, we've already sold out the Australian shows anyway, so there's no harm done there. Um, you know, people might not turn up anymore. They might just scout the tickets. But, uh, but tickets are still available for Birmingham, Leeds and Manchester. I believe there's a handful of tickets left for the first London show on August 12 at Leicester Square Theatre. But um, our dates for all of our tickets are across the globe dot greycricketer.club. Um, I think yeah, I've written out several times that Tim Bresden is going to be joining us for Leeds and Manchester. Fantastic guest to have. Can't wait to get behind Tim, and he in turn will get behind us. Um, Edo's, before we get into the, uh, the agenda, Hashtag RCGCs we put together last night. Uh, one's just coming overnight, and I'll get you to I'll get you to read out uh, you know some of the kind of love that we're getting at the moment.
1: Well, yeah, um, he goes as we mentioned earlier in the show. Twitter has been down, but it, it seems like it's just come back online, and obviously notifications for the great cricketer going through the roof. And one's come in from some chirpy um, Twitter user named Jamie Stevens Eight underscore. He says, "Great cricketer, just knocked you out of the World Cup." Haven't beaten us in rugby for years. Do you even play football? England are the alpha country. Cheers. Hashtag Ask TGC. <laughs> Fuck me. You
3: chirpy little fuck. How many pints has that guy had? He's like, he's like, there's like this anger welling up inside him, and he goes, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get some me, I'm gonna get me some Australians online." So I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, gonna do. fucking I'm gonna get him. On, oh, I just want Twitter to uh, get
1: online so I can post this. And, oh, I'm so happy. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm so upset at how much they've intimated that our country is not the alpha. <laughs> but now that we have won, England are the alpha I can country. Finally prove yes, that, your that country, me and my country.
1: Your country has proven that over years and years of you know, colonization. <laughs> Um, mm. You are quite alpha. Oh, no. We get it. Um, <laughs> and yes, we're terrible at rugby union at the moment. We do play football, um, but yeah, you've you've beaten us in a game of cricket, so mm. we are your submissive.
3: Yeah. Who are the people out there who have been saying that England shit for ages and ages? I'm going to get them. Get them. Mm. I'm going to get them. Uh, all right. Uh, look, I did put a call out a while ago to keep the RCGCs to under fifty thousand words. Um, most of you have been very kind in doing so. There's been one that has been uh, on, on the spreadsheet that I've got uh, for a number of weeks, and I thought now was an appropriate time to put it together. So um, so this is an advertisement for long posts again because I honestly can't mm-hmm. keep reading 50,000-word scribes. I'm just going to uh, go to the, the bathroom, who, Here goes. I'll be back in five cheers. minutes. Cheers. <laughs> dear hashtag ask TGC, asks anonymous as i write this it's been 11 years three months and 10 days since my last grade match despite tgc's advice to, to most to just quit cricket my question is is it even possible to quit cricket sure you can stop playing but does that mean you've escaped it i thought that cricket was this disease that i had caught as a child and then cursed myself of by taking the approach of avoiding the sport so I cured myself of by taking the approach of avoiding the sport entirely for over a decade and getting on with my life when I stopped playing grey cricket I embarked on new pursuits I learned to sail regularly went to the beach and enjoyed summers the way they should be seven years ago I moved from Perth to the UK cutting any temptation to play grey cricket completely based in London I worked on my career would regularly go skiing during winter took sailing holidays to the med and Caribbean I even met a girl got married and we are now awaiting the birth of our first child It would seem from the outside that I had managed to quit cricket. But despite these steps, I have come to think that cricket is some form of genetic defect that once triggered will remain within the sufferer until death. My theory came about after an experience last winter and the resulting downward spiral. Picture this, I was on a slightly crowded commuter train one dark winter evening heading home from work out of London. Minding my own business, I spotted the bloke on the other side of the carriage who held a new gun and more with him. The glint of the stickers caught my eye, and I immediately started thinking how the logos were so much fancier these days compared to my first bat, a 1985 GM scoremaster size 5, or even the GM Steve Orr had played with in his career. I tried not to think about it, but I found I couldn't look away, and then it started. I had this feeling of wanting to go over and strike up a conversation about the bat, to hold it, to give the blade a good look up and down, inspect the grain, breathe in the smell of the willow, chat to the owner about price, weight, shaping preferences and previous bat ownership, then take it as stance and give it a backlift, feeling its weight in my hands and finally play a shot. As an next opener, instinctively the first stroke would be a small step forward and a respectful leave, followed by a perfectly timed drive through a vacant extra cover area before handing the blade back to the owner along with my full assessment. This urge felt strange and uncomfortable, and yet familiar all at once. The most worrying part was that this this was not a daydream formed out of memories of days gone by, nor was it a muscle memory type reaction from hours on a bowling machine. It was a feeling that came from within my skeleton. It somehow felt like it was emanating from my bone marrow, an independent force trying to move its muscles and bones in my body and make my head towards the bat and reenact these cricketing rituals like a moth to a lamp. Fortunately, the bloke stood up and departed the train at the next stop before this. Feeling got uh, the better of me, though this didn't stop me watching the bat in his hand as he walked down the platform for as far as I could see. For the rest of the trip home, I wondered if he bought matching gloves. As I disembarked the train a few stops later, my heart sank and I realized that I could never banish the scar of cricket completely. From that point on, my interest started to increase. Of course, I'd subscribe to the TJC podcast, but then other cricket-related podcasts were being added to my playlist. My Instagram feeds my Instagram feed slowly started to fill up with cricket-related memes and accounts. I put the ICC Cricket World Cup app on my phone to follow the matches, and the World Cup. And with the World Cup looming, I even signed up to Sky's dedicated cricket channel for the duration of the tournament, with the intent of remaining <coughs> subscribed for the Ashes afterwards. I managed to secure tickets to the West Indies versus South Africa. That match was washed out, and although I spent a whole day at the ground witnessing only 7.3 overs, it didn't upset me that that's just cricket. I now streamed the matches live on my mobile phone at work and on my way home via a SkyGo app. And so far, I think I've watched significant portions of all matches. On the weekends, if not in front of the TV, I have the radio commentary stream to the kitchen uh, as I complete other chores. I've even purchased a ticket to go and see three blokes with the cricket podcast doing a live show in London in August. The more I watch... The more cricket I watch, the more I want to watch, having taken such a long break from the sport. I have plenty to catch up on. I didn't watch any of the 2011 or 2015 World Cups, so highlights and documentaries about these tournaments shown while matches are affected by rain are all new to me. I can't seem to get enough. After watching these recent matches, England, Sri Lanka, India, Afghanistan, New Zealand, West Indies, on the edge of my seat, with the hairs in the back of my neck on end, I feel I have fully relapsed into a sorry state of affairs which I partly enjoy and partly hate." As a result, cricket has once again filled me with self-disappointment. Having done a lot of hard work to cure myself of this disease, yet failing, I feel I like have let myself down, which like I would uh, when I would work hard while batting to get into the 30s, 23, and then gift my wicket away to some part-time Dibbly dobbly bowler brought on the middle of the innings. Only this time, there is no one else around uh, who might have scored less than me that I can look down on to help me feel better about myself. Am I alone in this experience or is this some sort of relapse common? Maybe you've had similar correspondence from other listeners. Can I ever rid myself of this thing called cricket? What does a great cricketer think? A curable disease or debilitating disorder only escapable by death? Can you ever really quit cricket? Regards, Anonymous. P.S. looking forward to seeing the live show in London on the 13 as I ride this cricketing rush. Thoughts?
2: Mm. I just missed it. Can you just re No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Dave genuinely has gone to the
3: bathroom.
0: <laughs> oh My God,
1: it's a long um, question. No, I'm back now. I'm here.
2: Welcome back. Um, here. I don't know if you can ever rid yourself. I mean, look at this. This is look at like the state of me. I'm sitting in a car. <laughs> yep. At, I'm sitting in a car at six seventeen a.m. Yep. Um, that literally the uh, the glove box door is open, so a microphone can sit on it. Mm. Uh, it's pitch black outside in Melbourne. There's cold air coming through this car uh, while I look at some notes and, and also questions from randoms I've never heard in my life. Just again, um, wondering about this game called cricket. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, it's, it, I, I don't think it will ever leave me, um, personally speaking.
1: Yeah. This might surprise yeah. you guys. I don't actually watch much cricket. Um, <laughs> I just watch KO minis and then just base all my opinions on twelve minutes of clipped highlights and whatever Warnie says on Twitter. But I find that like the less I watch, the more I enjoy my life. So to answer his question, well, yeah, death is the only option, obviously. But if if death, if you don't want to die, <laughs> then maybe just cut down a little bit on your your cricket consumption. Firstly, there's no, there's obviously no need to
2: listen to any other cricket podcasts. Mm. I mean. Mm. But do you still, even though that you opt for health reasons to not watch cricket, and that's a very rational thing to come to, do you still think that you love cricket, Dave, in any part of you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's weird. It's fucking weird.
3: Under, like, the the Kubler-Ross model of the five stages of grief, I mean, Anonymous has gone Mm. through all stages. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance and hope. Like, he's literally gone through the full gambit. He's come full circle. And now he's, like, like, like hope has returned. He's in stage five of the Kubler-Ross model. He's a state, like, hope is is there. He's, like, mm. he, he has got acceptance and now there's hope that, like... But he's, but he's, not, he's hoping to also leave again.
1: Yeah. Those, those stages will just continue to cycle around and around. Like, he's not going to come <laughs> out of it at the fifth stage. And, mm. you know, there's, there's hope on the horizon he's just going to continue back around again it's just never ending
2: okay um rory wilson writes in g'day tgc uh i hope this makes sense at some point during the heady days of australia's mid-2000s cricketing golden age i was in my tweens and on a school holiday break deep in cricket fandom as australia dominated all comers my dad had a business trip to brisbane and my mum decided her and i should accompany him "'My parents chose a suitably upper-middle-class hotel "'somewhere on the banks of the Brisbane River. "'On the first day, my dad went off to his work engagement early "'and left Mum and I to our own devices for the day. "'We started to go down for our all-inclusive full English breakfast "'at a leisurely 8am, as you do. "'Going downstairs, we pressed the lift button, "'and as it arrived at our level, "'the doors parted to reveal an enormous hulk of a man, "'perspiring heavily and red-faced. "'He had with him a very large cricket coffin "'which he took up, which took up over half the space inside the lift.' He was quite agitated, and as the doors opened, breathlessly exclaimed, Oh, thank God! It was Sean Decent Gas Tate. I thought it was odd Sean Tate was there, but my poorly formed teenage brain wrote it off as perhaps he was on a sightseeing trip and was hoping to get a decent gabinet in at some point, hence the coffin. As the lift descended, Sean mentioned he'd been stuck in the lift for 45 minutes, unable to get out, and in fact, we had rescued him. I think he might have mentioned he was late for breakfast as well. Anyway, after a short lift down with Tatey, we arrived in the dining hall. This was the true shock. A veritable cornucopia of Australia's cricketing gods was there. Matthew Hayden was there. Justin Langer was there. Ricky Ponting was there. Jason Gillespie. Brett Lee. I think the rare spin unit McGill and the local boy Andy Bickle too. Sean Tate was obviously there, which all made sense now. We were staying in the same hotel as the Australian cricket team. Looking back, I suspect it might have been Tate's first call-up hence his nervousness at being late to his first team breakfast and, consequently, his high levels of perspiration. The team was sitting a few tables over from us. I mentioned to my mother that Sean Tate was who he was and that a big part of the Australian cricket team was sitting just a few metres away. As a very shy child and being intimidated by the presence of these demigods, I asked my mum if she could take me over to politely ask to meet the team and maybe get a few autographs or photo. I remember this as a very reasonable request to my mother. To my dismay, she flat-out refused to even entertain the idea. She said that I'd have to do it myself and she wouldn't help me at all. So I sat a few metres away, paralysed by my tween shyness for a good 20 minutes, as the members of the team slowly filed out to the team bus. I assume you can imagine the levels of agony this would cause in a young boy's mind. So three parts to this, asked TGC. Could you confirm if the wild thing remembers the, the incident with the lift? He showed a lot of gratitude at the time. Subsequently, how much credit can I claim for his successful integration to the last side, uh, in, into the side and his later 23 wickets at 20.3 in the 07 World Cup? Lastly, and noting this is outside your wheelhouse as a mummy issue rather than daddy issue, how angry should I be today, still with my mother as a now 28-year-old? I still have feelings of deep disappointment that I've never brought up with her, that she was unwilling to help me live out what would have been an absolute seminal moment for my young self in meeting my heroes. It would have certainly eclipsed any of my cricketing achievements, that that probably being my highest batting score of 41 for my high school third grade side. Thanks in advance for clearing this one up, lads. Rory.
3: Well, yeah, he has every right to be extremely angry with his mother. That's insane that she didn't, like, the, uh, maybe she didn't appreciate the missed opportunity there. I mean, like, not only to just meet your cricketing heroes, but, like, that, that team, like, the names he reeled yeah. off there, including Andy Bickle, local hometown hero. I mean, that would have been a real strong handshake, I reckon, Andy Bickle. A lot of very vascular neck mm-hmm. as well.
2: You never know what the mum was going through, though, as well.
1: Yeah, never exactly. what going going you never know. Parenting's hard. You've got a lot of things on mm. your
3: mind. I've actually
1: been mm-hmm. trapped in a lift twice over the past few months at my son's daycare <laughs> center with my 18 month old son in the lift with me, <laughs> so I can feel for decent gas. it's fucking It is a massive relief when someone finally comes and opens that door because the emergency call button doesn't do shit. just connects you to some someone in a call center who can't you know do anything for you. You have to just wait for someone some mm-hmm. passerby to use the lift so, you know sorry, this is just triggering that memory of helplessness. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, i mean I, I guess we literally have sean tate's contact details are we going to reach out to him and ask him if he remembers the lift incident
1: i like how everyone's just asking us to just hit up <laughs> yeah, these guys yeah. that have been on our podcast with specific yeah. questions from a decade or longer ago
3: we're basically just become a medium like we, a medium. we've become john edwards <laughs> yeah, just like <laughs> can, yeah. can you speak to my to my deceased yeah. member well, we're doing that like at that. our live show that is yeah, true. should be good. That was going to be a surprise. Um, this um, one,
1: lads, we'll on. keep moving on. Ben uh, Chiarella. Dear the great cricketer, I finally at the age of 37 walked away from the game that had tormented me for years, and last season I spent a blissful summer investing in my life, engaging in exercise that improved my health. I spent quality time with the wife and kids, Spent slept well on a Friday night, not racked with performance anxiety, well, none more so than usual and basically spent the summer wondering why it taken me so long to realise there was a blissful life outside a weekend wasted at Gully, dropped e- dropping easy catches, averaging 20-odd low teens, bowling average military mediums and thinking that maybe my best was just around the corner. But alas, a few weeks ago I spent a Saturday with a few recently fellow retired cricketers enjoying a long lunch and several beverages of the alcoholic variety. After a few <laughs> hours, the conversation changed to how good we used to be as teenagers, Reminiscing about the good old days at cricket, were there really any? And before I knew it, I'd signed a beer coaster contract and was talking about pre-season. What the fuck's that? And suddenly I'm going around again and somewhere deep inside, I actually think this season might be different. So my questions are, one, is there any chance my 12-month hiatus has resulted in me being good at cricket? Two, if no, is a beer coaster contract legally binding? Three, if yes, can I have some gloves? Yours truly, Ben
3: gonna use my legal brain here uh Mm. ben and um you know formulation of a contract several elements of a contract offer acceptance um intention to create a legal relationship consideration uh capacity uh mutual consent legality and then writing um there's so there's an offer there's there's been acceptance of that offer i believe there is an intention to create a legal relationship. The consideration, I'm not sure if there's consideration, that's usually money being involved in the contract. Uh, I don't know if you bought someone a beer or something to, to use that as consideration. You could pass it in confidence to something you might be able to get out of uh, because you were drinking at the time, so you, you claim that you weren't clear of mind at the time. There was mutual consent, though, and it is written in writing. So uh, I'd be going under uh, your competence and capacity um, to get out of this because, no, you're not going to be any better. Cricket's, like, one of the hardest sports to come back from. Like, you, you, everyone's 1st preseason net makes you think that you might have actually like, lost a lot of brain cells over the winter because you think like, like this is actually a really hard sport to like to try and hit a ball, like a little round red yeah. thing that gets propelled at you at a very quick pace. To hit it with a wooden stick is actually quite hard when you haven't done it for ages. So 12 months off is not going to help you out here, Ben, uh, and you need to get out of that situation and contract as best you can.
1: It <laughs> just, r- just reminds me of that um, tweet we did many years ago. Of, um, it's like a, a photo of Homer Simpson... Um, you know, at work and he's reading a book and the (laughs) caption by us is like, you know, me coming back at pre-season and the book's titled, Am I Disabled? (laughs) You do feel pretty um, shit when you're having that first net after a, a bit of time off, don't you?
3: Yeah, yeah um all right uh look there's there's another question here but uh i think we've we've expired uh, our extremely long questions for, for one day so thank you very much for all those who are writing in uh world cup final in a couple of days to come we'll be back for then uh thanks very much easy westbury for joining us on the phone thank you as ever for downloading uh this podcast and thank you to us for being right that england are the best team at odi cricket in the world cheers